I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head to head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clashmas celebration. On Monday, we found out how and why the Grinch stole Christmas. So today we're learning how Krampus did much the same, just with a bit more blood. How we were going to survive Christmas with 12 people stuck in a house with no heat and no electricity. Or food. There's plenty of leftovers, Howard. Beer it is. It's the weirdest thing. There's no cars, no people. How long can this keep up? We heard something on the roof. What the hell is this? St. Nicholas is not coming this year. Instead, a much darker ancient spirit. Those are hooves. Elk or a goat? What kind of goat walks on its hind legs? His name is Krampus. We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which one will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crompton. And Alex Zane is still on his sick bed in a Krampus snow globe. So wishing you a speedy recovery, Al. Uh, very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, you're dead to me. Uh, but you can be resurrected by simply pressing that specific button on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your pods. And if you are able to give us a rating and review while you're at it, we'd be eternally grateful. And you could even have it read out like this one. Great pod, but when's the race? All, <laughs> all through lockdown, they talked endlessly about Alex and Thrilly having a race. They've been back in the studio a while now and no race. Oh, the pod's good too, but where's the race? I 100% agree. Five stars from D Vassell. Um, I picked that before Zane got sick, yeah. so he's ruined that bit of the show. Why, were you going to do it? Um, or discuss it. There's nothing to discuss, Chris. Action. You know I'm up for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been doing these 5K runs for the last couple of years. Yeah, I think not, we should do 5K. I don't think you should do 5K because it takes too long and I can't maintain. I want to see Alex try and do five kilometres. <laughs> we do this. We record this podcast across from the park. Mm. You could do a sprint, a hundred metre sprint, no yeah, problem. Sprinting's not my thing with my Achilles these beat days. You? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> even even with my ripped Achilles, I still think I could I uh, never, beat him. I mean, I'm no shade because I don't run for fucking anything, but I have never seen him run a day in my life. Have you kept up your running? You mentioned it on a couple of shows yeah, ago. Yeah, I did. Good. I mean, yeah. I'm, Lovely. I'm weirdly, like, obviously it's once a week and I don't seem, you know, some people, they just like get the bug and then all they do is run and they do part runs and they lose about four stone and all they talk about is running. I want that to happen to me. I don't think that is going to happen to me. Yes. Mostly what I've been doing is running round hilly feet in broccoli looking into people sorry I just realised how it sounds looking into other people's houses yeah I do that because yeah the houses are amazing yeah, so it's basically it looks a little bit like I'm casing the joint but fine yeah well well done thank you uh, <laughs> thanks Chris uh, that, that interesting that came from Diva Cell 
And Darius Vassell used to play for Aston Villa in England. So no. if that's one and the same, he's a good runner as well. Oh my God. <laughs> he can come join us. <laughs> um, but yes, thanks for not being here, Alex. You've ruined that bit of the show. Uh, moving on. Uh, on Monday, Vicky explained why it isn't easy being grain. Green? Grain. And now it's my turn to take you on a journey. Krampus is the story of an ancient mythological monster who scares kids at Christmas. And here he terrifies two families. The gun-toting family, whose daughters don't conform to gender stereotypes, and the liberal family, who laugh at those girls for not conforming to gender stereotypes. They're also pretty chill when their own daughter goes missing, organising a sleepover when they're tired of searching. Oh, and Grandma killed her parents too. (laughs) Is family the real monster here? No, it's Krampus. And stop asking yourself questions, Chris. There are two other people in this podcast. So, Alex, when did you first see Krampus? Was it last Christmas when I recommended it to you? Were you a bit disappointed? And bollocks, this is the first time I've written one of you into my introduction. The bugger isn't here, so he's ruined that too. Uh, Vicky, when did you first meet Krampus? I'd never heard of it until you mentioned it. I remember you banging on about it last Christmas, but I just, I don't know, I just didn't check it out then. So... I didn't know what it even was. Mm-hmm. And then I thought it was going to be this sort of, I thought it was going to be foreign language, which I was into. I thought yeah. it would be a German that, film. That was rare exports that I was talking about was at the that, same yeah, time. That's foreign language, yeah. So Mark was like, what's this film that Chris wants us to watch? I was like, oh, I don't know, some sort of Christmas horror thing. And then I saw Tony Collette was in it and I was like, oh, okay. I'm much more into this now. Like mm-hmm. I was I was ready for a German language Christmas horror, but I was much more ready for a sort of easier ride, you know, a bit more mainstream sort of thing. The only Krampus I'd ever heard, I'd never heard of Krampus, apart from that episode of Inside Number Nine, mm-hmm. which is fucking awesome. Yep. And that's it. So yeah, never heard of it, never seen it until in the week. Fair enough. I um, met the writer director of this at a few Fright Fests ago. Have you ever seen Trick or Treat? No. It's really good. It's a Halloween anthology that we should do one year. It took a couple of years to come out in the UK and he came over for Fright Fest. He hung out with us all week down at the Phoenix and he was great. And um, so I like what he does and then I got to see an early preview of it and it's since become a a sort of recent Christmas tradition for me alongside uh, The Night Before a comedy that came out the same year which is important now as when we do a movie on the podcast and we rewatch it and study it and I do the commentaries and then we write about it and talk about it the movie gets completely spoiled for me in a way that I can never watch it again uh, potentially and so I don't know when I'll be rewatching the likes of Die Hard and Elf <laughs> so I need these new movies to come onto sort of my um my circuit and so yes I've probably watched it four or five times now wow but if I'm honest it's been most times it's been when I've been a bit pissed after the pub yeah. at like midnight which is quite a good time to watch this film it's also quite a good time to go to bed Chris <laughs> just take it from oh, me no no I, lo- I like my drunk Krampus Do you? Um, so this is the first time I've watched it without a beer in me maybe ever which was a slightly different experience yeah um so uh let's get on to behind the scenes. So uh, Krampus is a mythological character that dates way back. Uh, Some say the legend began in 17th century as an antidote to uh, Santa. Yeah. Uh, But another theory posits that he was around in pagan times and Santa was an antidote to him. Okay. Which I find much more interesting. Sure. Um, but uh, Mike Doherty told Bloody Disgusting, when I was an animator, I used to draw my own Christmas cards and all of the cards would have a very Charles Adams twisted tone to them. So that's always been in the back of my mind. And then I discovered Krampus in 2004 via the greeting cards. So all of the greeting cards they used to send out in the 1800s and the early 1900s started popping up online and I just fell in love with them. Like the idea that there was this really dark, devilish, Santa Claus-esque figure from Europe European folklore. It was just irresistible. And who can blame him? That's a great idea uh, for a Christmas horror. Um, He also said he wanted to capture the twisted humour of those early 80s comedy horrors like Gremlins and American Wealth in London. And he talks about American uh, Nightmare on Elm Street as well. And that he was channeling the spirit of Amblin, which I think you can see here. Yes. But it very much evolved as they wrote it. So um, they took time to find the tone. Early drafts, it was mm, a much more straightforward horror film where Krampus was bumping off uh, people in a town over a period of days, one by one. And uh, he said on the commentary, he said, I could see the trailer and it was just going to be too obvious. Yeah. So we went back to the drawing board. They considered doing a micro budget version of the film in someone's house. But then they realised 
what they wanted to do. And I'm quoting one of the writers here. They wanted to make a Christmas movie that doesn't shit on Christmas and keeps that spirit intact. And so the idea they came up with was that it would be a Christmas movie that was suddenly invaded by a horror film. And the concept sort of okay. snowballed from there. Right. And I'll get on to what, what they sort of mean by that as we go through the film. Um, so that was where the idea came from. Should we talk about the film? Let's. So we kick off with a section I'm calling The Nightmare Before Christmas. And we get a slow motion stampede to yeah. Bing Crosby, uh, which was tough to get the rights as Bing's people didn't want to be associated with a Funny full on that. horror. They've tried so hard. To- <laughs> <laughs> but as we said on Monday, like the start of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, they're taking a swipe at consumerism. Um, how do you feel about Christmas shopping, Vicky? Oh, I really like Christmas shopping. So I was mad at this film at this point because I was like, don't you dare ruin Christmas for me. Um, I don't mind the crush. Obviously, no one really goes to shops anymore, but I don't know. I quite <laughs> The worst argument me and Mark ever had was Mark is from London and we were stood on Oxford Street and we it was years ago and we'd been like exhausted in John Lewis just trying to like find stupid gifts for everyone. And I was like, I'll meet you here. I was like, I'll meet you on Regent Street. And we were stood at the top of Regent Street. I said, like, I'll meet you somewhere on Regent Street. And he was really mad. He's like, where exactly is Regent Street? And I was like, oh my, you're born and bred in London town. And we're standing on Oxford Circus. And you're asking me from Blackburn, Lancashire, where Regent Street is. And I got really, really mad. And I walked away from him. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I left him. For his, just, for his lack of geography knowledge. Yeah, I left him in the Christmas crowd. They'll, they'll eat you alive, Mark Parsons. Um, and he was never seen again. And he was never seen again. Um, and I've been very happy since then. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, sorry, that was a sidebar. I like Christmas shopping. Mm. I, I love buying gifts for people. Mm. I don't, you know, I don't want to get, like the stampede upset me a little bit. And I don't like it when you just end in this sort of mindless, like, God, just throw anything at it. But I do like thinking about nice presents for people. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I miss, I used to go to Alders in Croydon for, to get lots of my, this and, I, and I love doing that. In my head, I would always look forward to that day when I'd just be there for like three hours on my own, yeah. getting a bunch of things for everyone. I don't think it's there anymore. And I'm like, oh, I miss so doing this, that. So this is such a nostalgia fest. But when I was mm. really little, my granddad, who I talk about, like loved my granddad. He used to save up all these five peas over the year right, and give them to me at Christmas time and say, buy people, all your little friends, buy them Christmas presents with this money because obviously I haven't got any money. So I used to go to, again, nostalgia fest, British home stores yeah. in Blackburn. And I honestly thought British home stores was the most magical place mm-hmm. in the world because they did it up and all the rest of it. And I would just stand there just getting like little pocket money toys for everyone, having the best time of my life. Then I'd have homemade mince pies because my granddad made homemade mince pies. Yeah. And it was just a magical, brilliant experience. And I know that we shouldn't conflate Christmas with too much consumerism because it's not what it's about. And I'm very into the togetherness and family and all the rest of it. But I, there is just the thrill of that. Oh, I found something good for someone. Yes, it's exciting getting someone something that you know is going to put a smile on their yes. face. Yes. So that's not all bad. Yeah. Um, that, this that opening is weirdly unconnected to the central storyline, and so yeah. when I was watching it this week, I immediately wrote down my change. Oh, this is a horror film. Shouldn't we have a cold open with Krampus in oh, doing something? Yeah. Uh, but then I listened to the commentary and they say we, we were actively trying to avoid that trope. Right. We wanted to make a 30 minute Christmas movie. Yes. Without any horror in it. And then the, the horror invades like it and takes it over. And yep. I thought, oh, that's good. So I crossed it out. Um, so it's Christmas Eve. Scrooge is on the telly and we meet our family. Tom, played by Adam Scott. His wife, Sarah, played by Tony Collette. And their children are Max and Beth, as well as the nan. Omi, who's making gingerbread men, uh, remember that for later. But they're sort of they're sort of a family, not really getting along with each other. Yes. They're already arguing. But bless Max, he still believes in Santa, and oh, he's, he's got his lovely. letter for the North Pole. He's yeah, a very sweet boy. He's isn't so he? lovely. Yeah. When he gets into that fight because he didn't want, you know, I live in fear of when. Well, not fear. That's a bit strong. I think this is my last year where the children, all the children, believe in Father Christmas, Santa Claus. Because I think next year the eldest won't. And the minute he finds out, he's going to ruin it for them. He's going to enjoy ruining it for them because that's what he's like. So I've just got this one last year. And it is, I do feel bad for lying to them, but fucking hell, is it cute? It's just cute. I think I kept it going for my brother a couple of years once yeah, I but you're, knew. Yeah, I don't know. They just, I think I just pitch, I can, I've rehearsed the speech. I'm like, I want to keep it special for them. So help me out, buddy. And he'll just, he will tell them straight away. Mm. And he'll think it's hilarious. But luckily, 
there's so many films now that you can put on that prove that Santa's real yes. and explain away why yeah. people might say he's not real. Yeah, and, and, and shame the elders for being a dirty liar. <laughs> we might be doing one of those next week, spoiler alert. Um, but Grandma Omi is talking about the spirit of Christmas and she keeps going about sacrifice, which is a bit confusing <laughs> at the looks, time. She looks really guilty when she, she says this. She gets this faraway look in her eye and there's something going guilty look. <laughs> there's something going on there. And then the uh, family from hell arrive. We've got Howard, played by David Keckner, um, Linda, played by Alison Tolman, and their daughters, Jordan and Stevie, their son, Howie Jr., who belches a lot, their baby, Chrissy, who gets left in the car, their aunt, Dorothy, uh, played by uh, Conchata Farrell. I'm just going to say her name because she's so good in this film. And a bulldog called Rosie, who's a useless turd. Yes. So... Um, yeah, it's quite the moment when they all descend on the it. house. I, yeah. I, lo- I love the, this, the skewering of stereotypes when it's done like this. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I, t- I know, you know, not as not a US citizen, I totally get the liberals versus the gun loving mm-hmm. sort of the more outdoorsy type. They've got that massive car, and everyone. It's it's just so relatable that you have to do when Tony Collette she's incredible in everything, puts on that big smile and like mm. opens the door. It's like, oh my god, so glad you could make it, kind of thing. We all have those family moments you love your family to bits mm. but sometimes like fuck me I can't believe you've actually turned up I've also been drinking with David Keckner. have you? Uh, he plays Howard here he's champ kind in Anchorman wow famously he is not dissimilar to these men really? <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's such good fun uh, but yeah you, you just felt like I was talking to this bloke or, okay. or champ kind yeah okay <laughs> get him started on I don't know. Yeah, I suppose. Sport. Let's move Sport. on. <laughs> um, um, they have the dinner from hell now. And I think the film captures that tension around the table at Christmas with everyone desperate to have a good time. Does this resemble Casa Crompton at Christmas? Casa Crompton Parsons at Christmas. I mean, I'm pretty relaxed around a Christmas dinner because I would say I start drinking it around. Well, what time do the kids get up? About half six. So, like that, the- she's saying PM people. Don't, don't call child services. You've got to. You have to slide your way into that day. So I will start with a box fizz, and then at around ten, I say ten. I mean nine. Me and Mark were like Sherry, definitely. Oh so, no, not your Sherry. Oh my god, I love a Christmas sherry. sherry. What's wrong with I you? I don't like Sherry. Oh no, but we're not even a dry one. I don't like sweet Sherry. No, I'm not a <laughs> nana, but dry Sherry, yum. Anyway. I'm pretty relaxed about Christmas. It is. It's just a big chicken. That's that's the saying in our house. It's, yeah. just, it's just a big chicken. Yeah. You can, I cook a chicken every Sunday. How can I fuck it up? Um, I mean, it always does tend to turn out quite dry, and the meal gets a little bit slapdash towards the end. But it's fun. And you don't. But you don't drink a snowball, do you? I will not drink a snowball. I would rather drink water. <laughs> that's it. That's my go-to. Uh, like on Christmas, Christmas and when people come over, and everyone's everyone's surprised because people don't really drink them in the UK. It's no. not. It's not a well-known thing. And so I love sort of surprising people with them and people seem happy and then they give it back to you and you're like brilliant no they want more they want more they want a stronger one (laughs) Um, but this scene does set the table so to speak for all the familial dysfunction that we'll explore during the film there's this class tension um, but what's good about it is both sides are being as bad as each other you know yeah the 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 you know the right wingers are awful, but the liberals are being snobs and yes. and 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 they're not great. So uh, Max's note gets stolen and read out, and he asks he's asked Santa to help his family, and he Aww. wants friends, and he wants his mum and dad to fall in love again. Aww. And it's really sad. And there's a big fight, and there's tears, and we cut to Omi again. She senses what <laughs> comings. There's something going on. Um, uh, Max rips up the letter and throws it out of his window, where his words fly into the sky. Uh, snow falls, the lights go out, a choir sings and we fade to black. And then we fade up into section two, which I'm calling Better Watch Out. Um, because it's Christmas morning and there are 12 people in the house, but there's no power, no heat, no electricity and the phones are out. Uh, Max sees a sinister snowman in the garden and he gets ignored. And soon these snowmen multiply and draw nearer. Do you watch Doctor Who? Yeah. Is this like the Weeping Angels in Doctor Who? Yeah, if you blink, is that the thing? I have, yes, I, yeah, I think if, so. If you, you can't blink. If you blink, they move close and then they kill you. Yeah, that's what I thought this was like, but it doesn't quite go there. No, it doesn't quite pay off. There's a no. lot of stuff that doesn't quite yeah, pay off. Yeah, the snowmen, particularly though, I feel like there was, yeah, there's something been set up here that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, but uh, there are gifts delivered and brought into the house. 
And then Beth goes looking for her boyfriend, Derek, just as a blizzard hits. So this is weird because it is bad out there. Like when they're looking out, there is snow everywhere and the power's down. So, you you know, you're assuming that this is a big storm. And they're like, yeah, babe, off you go. Just be an hour. Just be one hour. And it did feel weird to me. I know she's at that age where she can kind of do what she wants, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think you'd let your teenage daughter go out into a blizzard, even just for an hour. But doesn't the blizzard happen while she's out? Like, there's snow yeah. on the ground. If he's just around the corner, I don't know. I think I would be playing up if my folks didn't let me go and see my non-existent girlfriend at that age. <laughs> around the corner. <laughs> but fair enough. Um, uh, this sequence looks amazing as well. It's it's It should be said that this film, uh, the effects were made by the people at Weta Workshop and Weta Digital who are best known for doing the effects on Lord of the Rings. And so it's really interesting the behind the scenes on this movie. They shot the whole film indoors um, and largely in camera. So they use miniatures and forced perspectives and all kinds of technical combinations to make this work. And so the Krampus is practical, but then when he's leaping from roof to roof, it becomes digital. That's really interesting because in The Grinch, the outside looks so inside. Yes. Like, it's really bad. You wouldn't know here, would you? You, you would think know. this was all on location. Yeah. And they're all miniature. And what's cool is that he, because Mike Doherty is quite, he's an artist himself, and each each of the houses is based on a horror house from a different movie. No. And you can't see and you can't tell, but for him and the guys at Weta, like, that's their that's shit. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, but do you know what they used for snow here? Um, per- uh, I was going to say something awful. No, I don't. They used uh, the foam uh, that they put in nappies. Oh, really? Yeah. They got a big load of that. Wow, and just tore open some nappies. I think they probably went to the people they who made the foam. They didn't get an intern <laughs> to tear open no, some nappies. Genuinely, I thought that at first as well. And then I thought about it more. I was like, nah, they would have that just gone to the factory. That is wasteful, actually, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what did you do today? I ripped open 200 nappies. Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> um, uh, she dis- she discovers a delivery guy frozen to death in terror. She hides under his van and then a jack-in-the-box attacks. I mean, the trouble is, the jack-in-the-box doesn't seem that bad. because So my big thing with this film is we've seen Krampus leaping about, which is awesome because mm-hmm. it's called Krampus and you know it's Krampus. So that's either, it feels like a little bit of a mistake slash frustration because he doesn't then pop up again for mm. quite a long time. And it means that she has seen Krampus and she, Beth, is terrified and hides under the van. And then she sees a jack in the box, which is not as bad as the thing she's just seen. No. So I find it hard to believe that whatever came out of that box was as scary as the beast. I agree. On the roof. So maybe they should have saved the reveal of Krampus until later. It's interesting because I've got obsessed with this. You could save the reveal, which it would be totally standard to do until later. But it is brilliant that you've seen him. I think mm-hmm. we either see him and he is all we see or you hold off until later. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we don't actually see, it should be said, we don't see the jack-in-the-box attack. No. We just hear it. We cut away beforehand. So we kind, you kind of think, well, how can that little thing have done anything bad? But yes. We then come to understand that later in the film. Uh, but the dads, Tom and Howard, uh, go looking for her. Uh, they pick up some guns. Uh, they enter the boyfriend Derek's house and the inside is covered in snow and there's a gingerbread man knife <laughs> and there's a hoof on the floor and it's all quite ominous and they hear Beth screams and follow them outside and then something grabs Howard and pulls him under the snow. But Tom shoots it and saves him. Uh, they make it home claiming a bear trap. Um, and fun fact, the only bit of blood in this movie is his leg injury. Yeah. They kept all blood out of it so they could get their PG-13. And it's a pretty intense PG-13, I think. If When you're, when you're after a, a sort of a Christmas horror, <coughs> um, I think they go quite far for in terms of the family version of this. I think by modernise, yeah, but if you think of something like Gremlins, then no, I don't think so. I think it's on, I think, I think it's definitely, I think they did what they, I think it's on a par with Gremlins, which is fucking terrifying, yeah. but it's a kid's film. I don't think Gremlins would get a, a no, a, not no, anymore, no. So, um, they decide to board the, play, the place up and have a slumber party. But the thing they- is, <laughs> Beth's still outside. Yep. So they've boarded the house up. So what if she wants to come home? <laughs> That's what I was obsessed with. Like, yep. your daughter is missing in the snow. Oh, all right. Nail the fucking house shut. They very quickly give up on Beth. They do, um, yeah. And I, I think this is, I mean, I think 
maybe the mum should step up here because the the men have shown the male hunter gatherers have gone out they failed and I think their decision making is not sound yes. and as we discover the women are, are much smarter here and they do a much better job yeah um so yes they are waiting for the bad weather to pass and they have a little snooze they I do. mean I don't think I would be falling asleep with all this going on but and it'd be freezing somehow and then a hook comes down the chimney with a gingerbread man on a chain. Uh, now, this is based on Meat Hook, who is one of Iceland's 13 Yule lads. What? Yeah, they're these 13 um, little creatures that attack on the 13 nights before Christmas. Right. Uh, it's an Icelandic folklore. Right. And Meat Hook uh, comes down on a hook from the chimney to steal. Uh, meat that's smoking on the fire at Christmas. Oh, I see. That's his gig. So that, basically, some Icelandic dad has nicked all the Christmas dinner. Where's the, where's it gone, for Icelandic father? Oh, uh, listen, yeah. <laughs> this, um, what, the meat that was on the fire, what, for Christmas Day? Yeah, there was this creature. Weird that. Tell the neighbours, tell everyone. Well, Spread this gospel. Well, there's 13 of these Yule lads, they're called. Yeah. And so it's worth checking into them for all the other things that Dad got away with. Them. Yes. I, I, I recommend going and doing that, Vicky. <laughs> um, so uh, Howie Jr. takes the bait and chows down on the gingerbread man. But by way of retaliation, the gingerbread man chains him and pulls him up the chimney uh the family tries to save him but he's gone yeah uh, and mike Dogsy called this his tribute to willy wonka as how he is their augustus gloop i find it difficult because so tony collette's character sarah she sort of goes up the chimney as well and sees the gingerbread thing and she's meant to be really scared by that and everyone's like sarah are you okay are you okay and it's like a child has died and also there is another child missing presumed dead and i don't think i, I don't know I think it's a mistake to pick off the kids first, basically, because anybody watching that, but like the parents would just be in beyond in bits. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be able to think straight. They wouldn't be able to. They would be tearing their way out of the house to find their child. Like it, it doesn't seem realistic, even though I know it's not meant to be realistic. That you'd sit back and be like, "She's probably dead. Howie's probably dead." That's not how people react mm -hmm. to that situation. So it just threw me off a little bit. Whereas if you pick off a grown up, it's. Oh, I know it's not meant to be not as bad, but it just isn't as bad. So no, I agree. I agree. And we hear laughter from the attic, which is an ominous sign of what is to come. And with that, we'll take a break. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we're back. Uh, and the next section is something I'm calling Cramping Granny's Style. <laughs> So there's a couple of things going on here. Uh, the filmmakers wanted to portray Grandma Omi as this forgotten elder stuck in the corner, ignored. Um, you know, she's wise and she has the key to their salvation, but they don't listen to her initially. She doesn't speak up, to be fair. I mean, she doesn't speak <laughs> like, English. She doesn't she speak chooses, English. She chooses to not speak English. She chooses to not speak English. And she does know everything. And she does it as 
It's not like she tries to speak and they're like, shut up, grandma. She just sits there thinking, I'm just going to take my time over this. Omi's a villain. She um, is. <laughs> and, and this is also about sort of what happens when we forget about the lessons of folklore and fairy tales because Omi tells the story of Krampus, yeah. which we see through an animation that harks back to the Rankin Bass stop motion films, which in America go hand in hand with Christmas. You yeah. know, we talked about them on the Elf episode. Yeah. Again, we didn't get them here, but they are adorable when you watch them. And this is beautifully brought to life by the Weta it's lovely. guys. Yeah. So, um, it's Christmas it's during her childhood in Austria post-war and the spirit of Christmas and sacrifice um, <laughs> has, has been forgotten and it's ripping her family apart she's given up and she wishes for them to go away then the shadow of St Nicholas Krampus grants her wish um, he comes He comes not to give but to take and he drags her family to the underworld but leaves her be as a reminder of what happens when hope is lost when belief is forgotten and the Christmas spirit dies I think she got away with it to be honest like I'll leave you <laughs> behind normally that's like I'll leave you behind tell everyone I'll leave you behind to spread the message I'll leave you behind as a reminder of what you've done basically yeah. okay cool I'll yeah. with that I didn't want them yeah I literally you've Did done you what I what asked I said yes. I said I want them to go away thanks cramps yeah <laughs> Um, I'll be sure to tell my own son about this in due course. There's a nice detail here, though, that in the in the stop motion animation, the advent calendar in the background is exactly the same as the one that Max has in his bedroom. Oh, so that nice. heirloom has been passed down. That's nice. Uh, uh, Howard isn't having that. He mocks her and he pulls a gun. And someone who is briefly sympathetic, this uh, the character that David Keckner plays, isn't anymore. He heads out to find a Howie and he finds himself surrounded by snowmen. And uh, Dave Keckner's really hard done by here because you mentioned that the parents aren't acting all that believably and there are some deleted scenes where there are there are more upset yeah and i believe there's just been um literally as we're recording this today a new version of this has come out the naughty version where they've added in all these scenes and yeah. I, I watched them and he gets some great moments where he's accepting what a loser he is he's accepting how he's let his son down he's crying about his boy yeah and and it it, it definitely does slow the film down but yeah. it makes his death a bit more emotional and it packs more of a punch when it happens so um, he's doing a bit more in this film than than we actually end up seeing in this version okay. but that brings us to our next section which I'm calling Muppet Murder Oh yeah. So they head up to the attic and uh, they find a giant jack-in-the-box slash clown eating Howie like a snake. Yep. So that freaked me out. I mean, I, I don't know. I just I, don't like big snake eating eating me. I don't God want to be eaten no. by a big snake. I, don't, I never want to see a big snake. Mm, Not I've, even at the I've zoo. I've seen some. Have you? When I was in Australia in the outback. Oh no! Yeah. Oh my God! I tripped. I tripped on a log. And, and it was a snake. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. No, are yeah. you being serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you being serious? It was at night, yeah. It was one of the most frightening. Shut yeah. up. So yeah. what, wait, were you going for a wee? No, we were walking through the, the outback at night. I was on this Why? trip. Why? Because the, the, these what, guys take you on these were you, trips. Just, just a minute. Were you work, walking between pubs? Because that's the only reason. No, we could... were in the outback. We were in the bush. That, someone said, do you want to go for a walk in the bush the guy, at night? Our guide, our guide took us out for a walk. Oh, my God, no. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's so many no's for me. Do you want to go for a walk? No, in the bush. No, at night. Never. No. Mm -hmm. So anyway, you tripped on a log. You were like, oh, that was a yeah squashy. Log. And then someone said, oh look, that's a big snake, and I got right out of there. Oh man. <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. But it didn't have an extensive mouth with the teeth from it, which this clown slash jack in the box seems yeah. to have. Yeah. I mean, my first thought was, so we've got the clown, this fucking bird thing the robot toy whatever how big is this fucking loft because this stuff appears and it's like the sense of space makes you think it's the biggest loft in the world but hold on it's only the clown it's only the clown that's big the others are toy size okay the bird thing looks quite big though well you've got so that's the cherub oh right. uh, it's a that's what it's called officially yeah. uh i wrote down creepy angel doll yes uh, that flies down and attacks sarah with its tongue and then hangs her uh, but she yeah. escapes and she can help Tom, who's been stabbed in the back by a toy robot. Yeah. But Sarah pulls scissors and, and out and, and pulls the scissors out and then shoots the robot. And then this teddy bear with jagged teeth goes after Linda, who grabs an axe and takes charge. Uh, so there's a lot going on. This is kind of your gremlin sequence, isn't it? I mean, the trouble is, yeah. And I love seeing all those different creatures, but because I just really want to see Krampus again. So it's like they're not mm. as good as Krampus. So I, I either wish I'd never seen him. Or I wish he was in the loft. Understood. Basically. Understood. But both the mums get their hero moment here, um, saving the day in a way that the men don't seem to be capable of in this film. Yeah, I think because there's another hanging thread. Maybe this is in the, the new version, but when just pre the attic fight, mm. they're decorating the tree or they're doing something, and the, it's clear that the sister's mum has passed away. 
and they've got a bit of a rift and they've got very different life choices. They're raising their kids in different ways and all the rest of it. And that's really interesting. And although it's very reductive, and I actually can't believe I'm saying it, to have Sarah's arc be, I'm dealing with my the loss of my mum through this like very intense perfectionism and everything. She's Martha stewarded the place up and she's made her own gravel acts and stuff like that. And then she lets go of all that because she <laughs> she lets the attic get messy when mm-hmm. she like kills all the people. It just needed to be like brought to the surface a bit more. It's all kind of there that the sisters would reunite and each deal with things in their own way, which would work mm. kind of thing. But it, I'm really reading laws into it. Like I don't think the filmmakers put that front and centre. No. Agreed. Uh, while this is all going on, uh, gingerbread men have been firing nails at Howard in the kitchen. Yeah, that's really funny and really scary. <laughs> it's not scary. It's scary because little. I'm quite scared of little pain. Mm. Like the idea of someone, if someone fight, you know, I think it's because it's hard back to school. Were you ever at school and someone's like, I've got this stapler, I'm going to fire a staple at you. And yeah. you're like, please don't. But you, they just sit behind you. Or a compass. Yeah. Comp- and it's yeah. not going to kill you, but it's going to really annoy you. And you're going to scream in front of everyone. And that tension of little pain, I just can't cope. Well, I haven't seen this film for years, but you guys did it when I was away. Is it not a bit like the cakes in Young Sherlock Holmes coming to life? Oh, yeah. Don't they <laughs> yeah, do that? But, um... He, he shoots the gingerbread men with his shotgun and they burst into flames and they're running around burning and screaming, which is hilarious and looks amazing <laughs> yeah, because of the wetter people. And the last one attacks, but Rosie the dog eats it before it can get to Howard. It's really funny. Friggin' love, uh, Rosie. Uh, those gingerbread men are voiced by Seth Green. Oh, are they? And Justin Roiland. Right. Do you know who Justin Roiland is? No. The writer and the voice of both Rick and Morty. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that's who's doing the noises of the gingerbread men. Um, so uh, <laughs> Rosie's just saved Howard's life. <laughs> and now she, sent, she goes into an air vent, diehard style, and gets eaten by the clown. Yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> Poor, Poor Rosie. Rosie. Yeah. She, was told, she was called a turd earlier in this film. I thought she was going to get one more moment. She should have. She should have. She should have been like... Um, Max the dog. Um, do you want to hear a sad story? Oh, wait. Is this it comes like, up on the commentary. Is it like when we did K9 and K9 got killed in action? Yes. Is it? Oh, shit. So uh, Mike Doherty, the writer-director of this film, um, he shot that scene of hearing Rosie dying off screen. Yeah. And uh, he got a phone call that from home and his bulldog Jabber had died that day. No. Yeah, so as he was killing a bulldog on screen, oh his God. own bulldog died. It had been ill for a while, so it wasn't like, like an act of God Richard, kind of thing. That's what I thought, like yeah. dog God, though. Yeah, but he was saying he went to pieces and he nearly didn't finish the film. Oh, bless him. <laughs> bless him. He said he recovered. He had a stiff drink and, 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 and recovered, but it was... Yeah. <laughs> really that is sad. sad. Yeah. And now I'm never going to be able to watch that scene again. Because you'll think, yes. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of creatures attack, but Aunt Dorothy, he takes them, takes them all out with a shotgun. Yeah, and I love that the women are so much tougher than the men in this film. Uh, now we're at the penultimate section, which I'm calling elf and safety, <laughs> um, because the dark elves appear. Uh, the they- bit where is it the clown, the snake clown? Just before, oh my god, elves! The snake clown does a fucking clap, and it's genuinely. I think it's the scariest moment of the whole film. Just everyone stops. And it just does this weird clap. Yes, it really and that's me. to summon the elves. Yeah. Yep. And they they chain up Aunt Dorothy and take her along with the baby. Yeah. Um, Howard rides the jack-in-the-box out. And, Why do and they even have a baby? Like, the the baby doesn't... Doesn't do much. Doesn't do much. No. Did, did one of the actors have a baby? It was like, <laughs> no, the baby no, has no. to come with, which is fair no. enough. No, was saying that he had to he had to spend an afternoon auditioning babies. I and he didn't know say, what he was hey, doing. Yeah, look, it, the baby doesn't do anything. Yeah. Let's get rid of the baby. Yeah, well, that's what Krampus does. Um, and these elves move in for the kill, but then they hear Krampus uh, horn and they disperse because it's the turn of the big fella to finally show up yeah. as Vicky's been waiting for. Yes. Uh, the family try to make a run for it, but Omi stays back. She weirdly quotes E.T. and says, be good. <laughs> um, and she's going to sacrifice herself. Finally, She's going to face him to save her family like she should have done all those years ago. Uh, Krampus comes down the chimney and we see a portion of his face and his long white whiskers. Uh, he pokes at her with his bony fingers and then sort of says hi to her with his long tongue. <laughs> um, what did you think of the look of Krampus? Because we get more of a glimpse of him here. I lo- love it, love it, love it. I just think he should talk. Mm. I think he should have a voice. Mm. And you could find Frank Welker, for instance, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But there's there's a lot he gets quite a lot of screen time and it mm. starts to seem a bit like labyrinth kind of thing, like a bit Henson-y that he can't talk. Or yeah. I, and I think you could do a really 
cool, scary voice. So love the look, but just felt a little bit a uh, little bit cheated. Yeah. It, it, Doherty said, we wanted to go for something that looked ancient, uh, that looked like it walked out of the Dark Ages, in a sense, with the fur pelts, the heavy coats and the rusty chains. Yeah. Um, he produces a bag filled with toys who attack as we cut away to the family fighting their way through the blizzard. Uh, Tom shoots at creatures in the snow until they grab him and take him under. Linda goes next, then Sarah. And the first time you watch this, I think it's quite a shock that everyone is dying really quickly it's quite ballsy that Max has just suddenly lost everyone in his life pretty much yeah uh, there's it's, one... a, it's a shame because Omi uh, you, you're kind of thinking that Omi's going to sacrifice herself and they will survive mm. and then he loses his dad super quick and mm. then his mum's like I love you and she's gone it's like wow okay it's quite a surprise and obviously there's a reason for that that's coming but it's just a bit of a jolt to the system when you're watching it yeah I agree uh, the kids try to drive away but the elves attack from all sides and now it's just Max and Krampus faces off with Max and then drops his letter on the floor alongside one of his bells so that's the moment he realises that it's all his fault and he's yeah. being left alive as a reminder just like Omi uh, I think that's a good moment um, he heads home and runs into the Christmas Krampus procession on the way sure Krampus is just having a party and he's on a float and yeah it's a <laughs> It's it's a good. It looks amazing, but I was like, what, in terms of the geography and, and why this is all right, and where are the rest of the towns? Because I understood that this was like, I don't know. There, I think there's a gap between is it one family's punishment or a whole town's punishment? And so Krampus is taking over the town. You're like, also oh, everybody in the town. No, it's it's just that family. And I get. I think he's. He's just thinking about it now. I think he's probably doing it because there are Krampus processions. Yes everywhere around Europe and so I think he's just trying to nod to that but it is strange that they're suddenly up the road um, <laughs> celebrating but it's still his family that they've got with them yes um, because uh, he takes back his wish and throws the bell and screams give me back my family but the ground opens up and they converge around this fiery hole and he begs Krampus to fix this and take him back and that's when we get a good look at Krampus here and he's got two sets of mouth and teeth which suggests that he is a demon wearing a skin mask right and that's true. I I looked it up uh, on one of the there's a there's a behind the scenes thing, and it's he's wearing an old man's face. So that's not his face that we're seeing. Okay. But I don't think that comes across well enough in the film. I think it would be good to know that there's a demon underneath yeah. this mask, um, because and and the reason they did that is because they didn't want to go for an immediate look for him because there's all these different iterations. They wanted to sort of everyone could. This could be their Krampus. And they thought he's the kind of bloke that would mess um, with people when he first meets them because mm. this is kind of a, a game to him. Yeah. Um, and also he wants to mock Santa's appearance and so it's Santa-like. Um, and also he doesn't want you to be able to read his emotions. Right. So for all those reasons, he's wearing a mask. I just didn't know that until they told me. Yeah, I agree. Um, so uh, Max said, sheds a single tear now that Krampus touches and I don't know, it feels like they're setting up that it's going to melt his heart, but it doesn't because he just starts laughing and chucks <laughs> his cousin Stevie into that hole. Um, and as Doggy puts it, he's not the unstoppable monster that kicks down your door and rampages and grabs you. There's something darkly playful about him. He's having a good time doing what he does and he enjoys the cat and mouse aspect of it. Uh, so Krampus picks up Max, holds him over the fire pit, drops him and we watch him fall. And then we're into my final section, which I'm calling crambiguous ending question mark <laughs> very good uh, we cut to Christmas morning and Max's world is back to normal as he's learned from Omi and the past and he's offered to make the ultimate sacrifice his family is alive they're being shot through this hazy filter and it all looks idyllic Everyone's being nice to each other and it's almost too good to be true. Yeah. He opens his present and it's the Krampus bell. Suddenly they all remember something, even Rosie. The camera pulls back and they are trapped in a snow globe in Krampus's workshop alongside the scores of other families that have been imprisoned. The end. The end's perfect. So what did you make of this ending, Vicky? Well, it's it's interesting because the tension, this poor little boy has lost his whole family. I really wanted it to be a dream, but obviously that's bullshit. So it can't be a dream. But it does a really good job of making you think that, yeah, because of the way that Olmi lays down the sort of law, the sacrifice will be enough. And I thought, you know what? You could, it, is, it is a Christmas film. I mean, I know it's a good horror, but this is a Christmas film. So you definitely would get away with it if you're like, it's sort of a dream, but you'd hint that maybe he'll come back next year. But then I was like, well, but what you really have to do is what you did. Mm. And I think it's quite bold 
but it's it's I think it's what everybody wants when you're watching this film like secretly like you relieve the tension of him being reunited with his family but you get the cool thing of like it was all real yeah basically so reading around it and even hearing them talk about it in the commentary there seems to be um, some ambiguity to this ending apparently and there's two schools of thought so what do you think has happened at the end they are trapped inside a snow globe inside a workshop and they'll have to live Christmas day forever me too so right. 100% that's all I've ever thought was the ending right. and it's a grimly dark ending you know um, but there's apparently this other school of thought that they are alive and well and Krampus uses the snow globe just to keep an eye on them going forward and if they slip oh, into this behaviour again yeah. he will come back and get them okay. but this is just his way of watching them that's nice and um, apparently there's a, and they said on the commentary we, there is one is right and one is wrong no they didn't say that they said we know what our ending is but we're not going to we're not going to say but there was a comic done at the time that, that that was like a prequel and in that Krampus does uh, he says the comic has murdered characters resurrected without any hint of a twist showing that Krampus is willing to give people a second chance as long as they prove they've learned their lesson right but yeah, I just, I just, I can't believe people think that because I don't think that. I, I, it's never occurred to me that that's. It's a nicer ending, as yes, in it's, it's a much happier less ending. Less dark, yeah. But that's not horror. That's not what I thought. No, good. I'm really pleased. So, <laughs> so this is the right ending. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Lovely. That's all I got on Krampus. Great. So let's do uh, the bits. Um, what is your favourite scene? Well, it is the ending because Lovely. I was pleased that they did it, but also. Everyone gets a turn at doing some awesome face acting, which is one of my favourite things. And it is quite hard. I can't, I mean, I've never been a director, but you're saying to an actor, can you just slowly realise that you have been trapped mm. in a snow globe by uh, a European mythical evil legend? And everyone does a fucking sterling job of that. So. And, and interestingly, on the Blu-ray, there is an alternate ending, which is exactly the same but only Max, is it Max? Yeah. Only Max and Omi um, twig and right. look at each other. They just spend quite a long time. They both see the ball and they're both looking at each other while everyone else is happy. Yeah. So it's the same ending, but only two people realising. And it's much more effective, this one. Yeah. It's, it's more disturbing when even the dog. How did they make <laughs> the dog think that? I don't know. Just good direction. Good face acting. Exactly. Um, all right, I'm going to give a shout out to the stop motion sequence because I think it's yeah, beautiful. It and I do good. like it when films do do that kind of thing. But I'm going to, I'm the same as you. I think that ending makes it all work and it makes it all feel worthwhile. And I just, I like a dark ending as yeah. well. I like something that sends me out feeling miserable <laughs> at Christmas. <laughs> Especially at Christmas. Uh, most valuable whatever. It's Aunt Dorothy for obvious <laughs> reasons, but the most obvious reason being homemade pepper and schnapps. <laughs> yes, I didn't mention that, but I thought you might bring it up. Yeah, I, that I am gonna hundred percent try that. Maybe the minute I get home. So they did all right with the violence to get their PG thirteen, but they they mentioned on the commentary that it was an issue. The scene where she offers the schnapps to the kid. Yeah, it is interesting, and, and that was going to get them their R rating. She does let them have some. Yeah, she does. She yeah, does, yeah, yeah. They were going to get in trouble for that. Yeah, that's Conchata Farrell is yes. the actress, and she that is someone taking their shot, isn't She's it? She's really good, doing a lot with a little, and yeah. she she brings so much. Um, She's just a fun character, comic relief. Yeah, it's brilliant when someone says, "Will you watch the kids?" and she's like, "Oh, but I hate kids." <laughs> it's so funny, you know. And they give her a moment with a shotgun shooting yes. shit. Like, yeah, good job. Uh, she was on my list, but I'm going to give it to Richard Taylor and the team at Weta Workshop uh, for their sterling work on all those practical effects and the creatures, because I think it really brings the film to life. Um, and what would you change, Vicky? You've, you've, you've made about it. three really good changes yeah, already. I'm sorry to keep saying it because it, it, it's all good, but it's just I think I want one monster and I want one threat. So I don't know how you do it because you need Krampus in a loft, but I would get rid of that fucking cherub and I would get rid of the clown and I would I mean I would even I'd keep the gingerbread men because they're gingerbread people I apologise because they're yeah, excellent they're all blokes <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just I'd maybe find a way to bring the gingerbread people into it as whatever as Krampus's little things but I just I if you've, you've shown him at the start leaping from rooftop to rooftop which looks wicked I just want to see him again so I hated waiting so you, yeah we either wait and do your big bad at the end or just get rid of everything else and just have Krampus in your house mm-hmm <laughs> Uh, good one. My change is um, I think those gifts in that big sack should just be sitting there on the porch because the fact that it's a DHL deliver them 
Yeah. Then makes me think that Krampus must have a computer, an email, and a bank account to be able to. I hadn't thought of that. Organize DHL delivering. Yeah. His evil. And they were sending him little alerts. Yes. Like saying it would be there soon on, on his Krampus mobile. <laughs> and so I don't know. It just and it doesn't need to be there. I think they could no. just be sitting there. Once my head is thinking about Krampus at a laptop. Yeah. It well, ruins it everything. It would ruin it. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so that's my just stone. hunched over. <laughs> Right, that is Krampus done. So, uh, we're on to the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! A two-person verdict, which means we might end in a tie, although something tells me that's not going to happen this week. Uh, Vicky, why don't you go first? I think you're going to be surprised, because with the How the Grinch Stole Christmas, I hate those snouts so much, so very much. I was 10 minutes into Krampus, I watched Krampus first. I was like, this is going to win. No, like, no contest. It's really funny. It's such a refreshing take. It looks good. I love all the cast. Blah, 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 blah. But the, what I've said about the many threats, I think it really, really drops the ball with that because it doesn't build for me. It's distracting all those different... It just looks good, but it doesn't have... It doesn't build the story in the way that those things should. And obviously Gremlins is just chaos and all the rest of it, but it just felt a little bit messy when it, it should have been a bit more scary. I think they do brilliantly in blending comedy and horror, but I just want, I felt so strongly about wanting one monster. And the Grinch, the Christmas message, it really nails. Like Krampus again drops the ball a little bit, starts off with consumerism is bad. And then Max is like, I hate Christmas, but he doesn't really hate the consumerism of it. He hates the family arguments of it. So those there are two com- not conflicting there are two competing messages there whereas the Grinch just sticks to one thing which is consumerism has ruined Christmas so even though I was a little bit cold about it and even though I cannot bear those snouts the Christmas magic is more in how the Grinch stole Christmas so I'm picking that wow I know so uh, my pick now I hate the Grinch. <laughs> uh, not the character. I quite like the character, uh, just not when he's played by Jim Carrey. But I actively hate the movie. I think it's hideous. I think it's disgusting. I think it's grotesque. <laughs> um, conversely, I really like Krampus. I, as I said, it's one of only two movies from the last 20 years that's made it onto my Christmas movie rotation. So this week, it's a no-brainer. I'm going for Krampus. Wow, okay. And the reason I knew what was going to win <laughs> is because Alex has sent me his vote. Good. And uh, I asked for his verdict. He's under the weather, so he didn't send me much. He just wrote Krampus 100%. Oh, did he? <laughs> so we have a winner. The winner is Krampus, thank bloody God. <laughs> um, Krampus wins our Battle of the Christmas Monsters. So on to next week. Um, I gave you a clue, and that was sitting on a throne of lies. Uh, I'm not going to say the other clue, but you will have seen it on Twitter because I'm going to go and film it in the pub with Vicky in a minute and I don't want to spoil <laughs> it for her. I want to get her reaction. Uh, so we are doing next week. Uh, Alex, you have the 1994 version of Miracle on 34th Street. And Vicky, you have Bad Santa. Yeah. <laughs> and both those films are currently streaming on Sky. So that's your lot. Um, If you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your pods and follow us on Twitter and Instagram where Blondine's doing great things, uh, at ClashPod on both of those. And that's your lot. We're back on Monday with Miracle on 34th Street. Have a good one. Goodbye. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 